been in this series called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the longest uh, sermon that Jesus gives. And we find it in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And we are in Matthew 6 right now. We're kind of right in the middle of this sermon. Uh, so we're going to be reading from Matthew 6 verses 19 to 24. And we're going to be talking about treasuring God. Treasuring God. And the, what we spoke about last week was this, that in all we do, we glorify God. In all that we do, we glorify God. And we specifically talked about how, and everything that we do uh, in glorifying, but we specifically talked about how we do that in our prayers, how we are conformed to his will. We pray about his kingdom, his name, uh, and his will, uh, not ours. And then the second part of that prayer, the Our Father prayer, is how our dependence on him. You know, him leading us, him forgiving us, uh, just how what we need is from him. We can't do this on our own. And then what Jesus jumps to next uh, is he talks about money. Yeah, nobody wants to come to church and talk about money. Uh, But this is such an incredible passage uh, because... You know, as we talked about last week, we, glor- we need to glorify God in everything that we do. And a lot of us will say, okay, we need to glorify him in our, in our actions, in our words. You know, we need to glorify him in our worship, in our church. But a lot of times our money is kept separate from that in our glorification of God. It's hidden. Nobody can check my bank account but me. This is, this is my realm, this is not God's realm. And so I love to talk about this, and specifically, this is one of the best passages on the topic, in my opinion, in Scripture, because it deals with the idolatry of money, which is really uh, what it is when we say things like that. And so we're going to be reading Matthew 6. Uh, I don't know why I'm cracking all day today, but get used to it. It seems like it's going to happen a lot. Uh, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. I need to grow back my beard. That's what it is. (laughs) Starting in verse 19. Usually we have everything up on screens, but you'll have to either listen to my beautiful cracking voice or uh, read along on your phones and your Bible. Uh, So starting in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light... If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. You either will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Good stuff. I love this passage. So what is treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven? We're going to start there. That's where Jesus starts in this passage. Jesus says you can either store up your treasure here on earth or you can store up your treasure in heaven. And so what does treasure on earth look like? Well, we'll start at my bank account. We're going to look at that for a second. Uh, I am guilty as anybody else would be guilty of this. 
Uh, and what I've realized about is everybody has something that they spend their money on, right? That you have that kind of one thing. It may be a few things for you, but there's something that, you know, your money is saved for this purpose. For me, um, what I spent all my money on was nothing. It was, it was uh, savings. I was a compulsive, cheap bum. That's what I was. <laughs> And so what I did, all the money that I got, I always was in scarcity mode. We can't buy that. We can't get that. We can't do that. You know, I think it has to do with my parents giving me a $5 allowance in high school a week, not a day, a week. Uh, Yes, I know. It was pretty bad. Uh, I love you guys if you're listening to this. Uh, And so I had to get a job, you know, when I was 14, uh, and I've been working ever since. And so I had to, uh, before I had a bank account, I would stash up my money because I had to buy my own things. I had to buy my own computer at 15. And And so I had this mode where in order for me to feel safe, to feel in control of my life, I would save everything that I got. And that, to me, was where my money needed to go. I never got to spend it. I never got to see it. My wife never got to see it. She never got to spend it and went straight into the savings account. But, you know, that, that was my thing. That's what I, because for me, that was a way for me to control my future. And it was a way for me to have control over my life. It was my security. For other people where they may spend their money, it may be sneakers. You know, I just, I watched a documentary on Netflix about sneakers and I didn't know. I didn't know. I just... <laughs> That's all you can say is, I didn't know. I'm, for those of you going through that, I'm praying for you. <laughs> it could be movies. It could be games. It could be clothes. It could be shoes. Right? This is where our money, our paychecks, they go to. Where we think about, man, how can I get that? I know how I'm going to get that. Right? And as I said, for me, it was savings. And I still remember God asking me one day, he said, Justin... Who do you believe controls your future? Is it you or is it me? You, God. You, God. You do. Mm. Come on, can we worship to that for a second? You do. I give you all of my, you are worthy of it all. Right, we're just saying that. And so this savings account was literally my idol. I was putting it in the place of God. I was storing up for myself treasures on earth. In case God one day decided that he didn't want to care about me. And so he he said, go look at your bank account. I looked at my bank account. Look at how much you're saving. It's a good amount. I'm very proud of this. Look at how much you give away. It's like, I think this is a pretty good amount as well. This is, this, is, this is a conversation between me and God. If you ever wonder what praying looks like in the life of Justin Matera, this is what praying looks like for me. And so I remember God clearly spoke to me. Justin, let's, let's put those things side by side. Let's look at that together. Who do you treasure more? Do you treasure your savings account? Or do you treasure me? I thought, well, if we're looking at the percentages, technically... <laughs> I treasure my savings account more. But God, you know my heart. And that was, that was the line that got me. And it's like, exactly, I know your heart. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip what you're doing. I want you to give what you're saving and save what you give. I thought, ooh. Whenever you gotta go, 
Ooh, that's when you know something is in the bad place of your heart. Right? What is it that you value? There are things that we value. It could be rooms full of sneakers. It could be waking up to a great bank alert every day to see how much is in your savings account. It could be your closet. There are things that we value, that we store up treasures on earth. Now, what this is not talking about, right, is normal things like giving an inheritance to your kids or a normal savings account. If you are not cheap and you're just being normal and saving because it's important and that's in the Bible, right? And, and other practical things that you need to do, that's not what we're talking about when it comes to, I just need to make that clear because some of you may go empty your savings account. I'm not saying to do that. I still have a savings account. But what's saying is there, there's two things that we can do with our money. We can store up things here on earth or we can store up things in heaven. And I want to read from this uh, chapter in Philippians. And this is a Paul. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church. And the book of Philippians basically is a thank you letter for a church that has been partnering with him in his mission. And so we can read very, at the very end of this letter, Paul says this. Uh, He says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases in your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Right? Again, we glorify God with what we do. So the Philippian church entered into partnership with Paul, whereas other churches weren't. And so Paul basically writes them a thank you letter and has a lot of other stuff in there. But there's something that he says in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, they were bearing fruit. And a lot of times we talk about bearing fruit. We just think of the fruit of the spirit. That they were bearing fruit in how they were giving. This is what we can do to store up treasures in heaven. With their money, what were they doing? They were doing things with their money that had eternal significance instead of just earthly significance. They had decided that, hey, we are going to collect. We're going to have a collection for Paul and we're going to send it over to him because he is preaching the gospel all around the Mediterranean. He was spreading the gospel. And so to them, what they started to do is they started giving towards that mission. And that had eternal significance. That was storing up treasures in heaven with their money instead of material things. And so there are ways that we can give and manage our wealth that is fruitful. And has eternal significance to it. And a lot of time when we think of eternal significance, we just think about, hey, how do I lead this person to God? That is eternal significance when people... Get saved. But there's ways that we can be part of that mission if we are not actually the one participating in doing the talking. 
And this has a lot to do with how we manage our wealth. You know, so I remember when I first started my business, I, was, I always had a duality about myself. I, I did business and I did church. And in the very beginning, it was very much a duality. It was two separate lives. I told God, God, the church, whatever happens in church, you can take credit for that. All glory to you. You know, I know that you grow it. You give increase. This is, this is your thing. But whatever I do in my business, now I'm going to be able to tell everybody else about that. Because I grew it. I worked hard for this. This is my money. This is my time that I'm putting into it. God, I know i got to glorify you here. But at the end of the day, in 10, 20 years, when I grow something about this business, I can, people can look at me and say, Justin, look at what a great job you did. I was in for a little shock with that one. Right? The, the church was God's, but the business was mine. And this was the philosophy that I had, but God had to change that philosophy around and say, hey, guess what, Justin? Everything, you forget what that word means? Everything that you do is for the glory of God. All good things come from me. And so God started to teach me something. How do I use what you have given me in the business to glorify you? Because in America, we learn that business is about one thing, profit. The bottom line, cash, money, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right? And in finance class in college, they taught you this one thing. They said cash is king. They taught you that in every single class. Cash is king. Cash is king. Because this is the American way. Everything is about getting that profit. But when you read scripture, you realize Jesus always teaches another way. And so God started to deal with my heart. Actually, Justin, the church isn't just mine, but your business is mine too. And you can work really hard in your business and still fail at it. And unless you give all these things that you have in your life to me, then you are doing them for earthly significance. Where thieves can come in and steal. You never know. I can, honestly, I could lose my business tomorrow and I would never see it coming. I could quadruple my business tomorrow and I would never see it coming. That's the thing about money. It's the thing, you could, it could be here today and it could be absolutely gone tomorrow. I've experienced that. I don't know if other people have. If you've been around long enough, you realize that money is very fickle. It doesn't love you as much as you think. You may love it a lot, but it doesn't really reciprocate. And so God started to teach me, actually, there are things that, about your business that are mine. And so what does that mean? That means how you treat your employees is more important than making a profit. It means how you use your profit is more important than how much profit you have. The decisions as a business owner that lead in integrity are more important than me making extra money at the end of the year. And so God started to teach me, well, this is what you do with your profit. It is not just for you to make extra money, but this is for the kingdom to grow. And so we started giving away half of our profit every year. That working in integrity, that even if it hurts me, that I got to keep my word sometimes, that's what it is. Because that's what it's like to do this God's way. 
Even if treating employees better hurts the end of the year bottom line, this is God's business. This is not my business. And one's desires, you realize this, when you have desires towards something, the desires, whether good or bad, will dictate how crazy this rabbit trail gets. When you start saying, God, everything I do is for the glory of God, and you start saying, everything I do is for me, an earthly treasure, the rabbit trail just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And what Jesus says here, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. See, what we covet and what we desire with our eyes is a question of ambition. What we look at and say, man, I want that, we lust after it. Lust is not just sexual. Lust can be after so many different things. And if our ambition, if our desire, if what we look at and we say, I want that, if it is healthy, we say, man, I want to grow the kingdom of God. Father, I want to partner with you in growing your kingdom. That what I do with my money, what I do with my life, what I do with what I have is not for my earthly benefit, but it's for eternal benefit for your kingdom, for your will, for your name, not for mine. Then that rabbit trail starts to get really crazy. You start living a life that is totally different than you ever thought you were going to live. But if instead your eyes look at stuff and you say, I want that. This is, this is for me. This would be really great to make my life more comfortable, my life more convenient, my palace greater. Then Jesus says what? How great is that darkness? See, this is why Instagram and Pinterest are just, they are inadvertently simple sometimes. And I'm not saying that they're inherently sinful. I'm saying they're inadvertently sinful. There's a difference. One is just sin no matter how you look at it. One can be sinful. But for me, sometimes it becomes sin. Honestly, I have to limit my HGTV watching sprees. Because sometimes when I put it on, I'm looking at these houses and I'm like, (laughs) how do I get that? I want that. And it goes from like, oh, that would be cool. That would be nice, you know, to scheming of, man, how do I upgrade this rug right now or get a new paint color in here or get some marble tabletops over here, you know, and some nice subway tie. You see, it goes bad. (laughs) I start thinking about it and I make my own Pinterest board around this stuff. I got secret ones all y'all don't know about. See, when our ambition, when our eyes look and they begin to desire materialism, it begins to cloud our vision, clouds our judgment, clouds our heart. It brings a darkness in our body that makes our entire body sick. How great is that darkness? See, the questions that come from this is what do you chase? Is it more money for a lavish lifestyle to feed your idolatry? If it is, that will lead to a greater and greater darkness as your eyesight becomes more blind as you go along. Or is your eye full of the light of Christ? Is it healthy? Our ambitions are set on him. Our treasure is found in him. 
Our eyes are focused on him. See, scripture is very clear. We cannot serve both. There is no middle ground. There's not a gray area in this. There's no third way. If you look at these scriptures, you realize all three statements that Jesus makes, it's one or the other. It's the earthly kingdom or the heavenly kingdom. It's the light or the darkness. It's the master of money or God as your master. It's either one or the other. You cannot go both ways. You cannot have one foot in one kingdom and one foot in the other. You cannot manage your idolatry. You can't say, hey, maybe instead of buying four pairs of sneakers, I'm just going to buy two. That doesn't work. See, idolatry is either ripped out of the core of our heart where we do not serve these false gods anymore. Or it keeps a shrine, maybe next to the shrine of Jesus in your heart. And it's still something that you come and you offer sacrifice to. Something that you come and you worship to. See, Satan is not the main thing vying for our attention. A lot of people blame Satan for everything. It's just like, Satan, you know? (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) And that, that, that is how we... It's just... It's the devil. I can't be so close to these people up here. It's messing me up. See, the main thing vying for the attention of our heart is not Satan. It's actually money. See, God doesn't say there's two masters and say you can't serve both either Satan or God. He says you can't serve both either money or God. Because money is the greatest false idol, false god on earth. What Satan does is he uses that idolatry to tempt us. See, with money, this is what happens. We can fuel almost every habit. With money, we can give worship to every idol in our heart. Money is the greatest false god on the earth because money promises falsely everything that God does control security safety sustenance money says I can provide all that for you but money don't love you money is going to leave it's going to be here one day you never know when a thief is going to break in or moth. I mean, it, those are those days' examples. You never know when the stock market is going to crash and goodbye. You never know when something is going to happen and you have to drain everything that you have. See, money props itself up. If we think this is just an American problem, we're wrong. This is a human heart problem from the beginning of age. Because what it does is, oh, you want that? You love that? Well, I will provide that for you. I will give that to you. Money and how we spend it is a powerful indication of where our heart is. And that, honestly, is why it's spoken about so much in Scripture. You know, Scripture constantly is talking about this topic. And 
And I, I honestly think that we don't like the topic so much because of the idolatry of our heart as humans. Yes, pastors have abused the topic and mistreated the topic. I'll give you that. It's true. Absolutely. I've seen it done. It's still done. But again, that Paul points to the falseness of it, the falseness of the idolatry. If we think pastors are unsusceptible to the idolatry of money as well, we're crazy. And they will use it like everybody else would try to use it to get more of it. So we have to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about this? How does the Bible say we need to use it? And instead of being uncomfortable when we talk about it, we should allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart to change our heart and pray about it. God, how do I use this to glorify you? How, do, how does this fit into your will, your kingdom, and your name? Jesus says, where your treasure is, that your heart will be there also. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus gives a very short parable. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That is amazing. All right, this man, he finds the kingdom of heaven. He buries it. He doesn't want it to get lost. And then he sells all that he has to purchase that field so that it is his. It is worth everything. It is worth all that he has. You know, I think of the rich young ruler that we spoke about earlier in the summer, about how this man had kept the law, everything he had done perfectly. But Jesus looked at this young man that had come that was very wealthy, who had kept the law by any of our standards. He was a great person. He was good. And Jesus says, you, you've done well keeping the law. Now you just need to do this. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And what does it say after this? It says the man walks away sorrowful because he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. See, there was something in his heart that was greater to him than God. There was something in his life that was not worth his relationship with God. And whatever that idolatry is, a lot of times we use our money and we use our resources to fund it. And when we give up of those resources and that money, what we're saying is, God, you are greater than X, Y, and Z. You're greater than my shoes in my closet. You're greater than my savings account. You're greater than my entertainment systems. You're greater than my home makeover. You are greater than these things. But many times instead, when the Holy Spirit convicts our heart about this, when we listen about this, we say, just like every, I've, I've done everything. And God says, give away what you have. And we walk away sorrowful. God, I'll, I'll do everything but that. It indicates where our heart is, where our worship is, who truly is king over our life. And that's why I know if you ever want to know where someone's heart is, I always just say, show me your bank account. 
It's literally that simple a lot of times. Because if you just tally up what you spend money on, you can see where your treasure is. What does Jesus say? Where your treasure is, your heart is. What you spend your resources on, because money is a, it has a lot of things wrapped up in it. Our time, our hard work, our perseverance, all of these things. It's, we do that to accumulate this. And what we spend that on is what we're giving ourselves to. And so if we just go back and look at our account, we could say, man, I spent this much on vacation. And that is by far the greatest amount of money I've spent on everything. God is my heart here. I spent this much on food. God is my heart here. See, in our ambition, if our treasure, if our eyes are not focused on him, we are allowing ourselves to wander to different gods and worship idols. And I find that the best way to get rid of this idolatry or the thing that fuels our idolatry is to give it away. There are so many ways that the Bible speaks about giving. If you're thinking I'm about to take a second offering today, I'm not, so calm down. That's one of the ways, right? It, we read that in Philippians. It fuels the mission of God. That's one way we can give it away, but there are other ways. The Bible is constantly talking about giving in alms and to the poor. There are people in our community that have less than we do, that we can bless them with what we have. This isn't a sermon so I can ask you for your bank account. That's not the point. It's so that we can look at our bank account later and say, God, what is fueling idolatry in my life? So that my worship can be true to you when I say you are worthy of it all. That my heart is yours because my heart is where my treasure is. The Bible talks about the needs in the church family and how we are supposed to be a support system. The early church, one of the most amazing things that they did is they sold their possessions to give to each other that were in need. They said, we're a family. No one in this family will lack. What are your needs? We will provide. They weren't forced to do it either. When Ananias and Sapphira, they came to the apostles and they laid their money down and they lied about it, Peter said to them, you didn't have to tell us you gave us more than what you gave. You could have kept everything for yourself. But because you lied, because money is your idol, there's judgment. There are people around us in our life that we have opportunity to be generous with. If you see people in need and you look and you think, man, I could use this $30 to do whatever I usually do with it or I could use it to bless this person. 
take those opportunities. Start realizing that that is probably the Holy Spirit prompting your heart to teach you lessons about money. So I want to challenge us as a church today. I'm for real. Go home and look at your bank account. There's ways that you can go online and it just sinks right in. It tells you, you spend this percentage on this, this percentage on this, this percentage on that. And you can look at that and realize, God, where is my heart truly at? And then once you do that, once you see the idolatry, then you can ask Holy Spirit, help me to begin to give this away. Holy Spirit, would you renew and transform my heart? That my resources aren't for material possession. That they are not to build treasures on earth. That they are not for my kingdom. That they are not for my will. That they are not for my name. But my resources will be to bring treasure in heaven. That I would be about one thing only. That I'd be about your will, your name, and your kingdom. And that whatever I have, whether it's my work life, whether it's my church life, whether it's my family life, whether it's my business life, that I will look to you and see, God, how can I bring treasure in heaven? And that will be taking our resources, taking what we have, and saying, God, I'm going to partner with the gospel in this. So I'm going, to, I'm going to give to this mission or to this house. I see that this brother or sister is in need. And so maybe I have to take a little cut in what I usually do, but I'm going to give to that. This person that I walk by in the street every day, I think they're hurting. God, how, how can I work around so I can give to what they need? Maybe sit down with them, hear their story, buy them a meal. Because that, that statement that Jesus says, it, it haunts me, and I pray that it haunts you, that where your treasure is, your heart is. There's no escaping that. There's no escaping that you cannot serve two masters. You either serve God or you serve money. And so my prayer is, God, search my heart. As I look at my bank account, that what I see and what you prod me to give away and to give up, that even though it may be painful, even though it may hurt, that God, I would lay down my worship, that the sacrifice that I offer to this idol in my heart would no longer go to that, but it would go to you. Because what America does probably do better than anybody else is be greedy. And we have been influenced by that greed deeply and it has clouded our vision. It has caused darkness to make our soul unhealthy. In how we run corporations and how we run the government and how we run the systems of our country, it is embedded in our entertainment. I mean, if you think about the entertainment system and all the things that have been happening as of late, 
Why is it that people would allow these men to get away with such atrocious crime? It's about money. It's about the power that they bring with that money. So we can say, God, we repent of these systems. We repent of these habits. We repent of these thoughts. Search my heart that I give to you all that I have. I'm going to invite the worship team. Why don't you stand with me and pray? Holy Spirit, we thank you for conviction. That conviction many times can be uncomfortable, but is necessary. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you for deeper conviction in our lives, that your conviction would draw us closer to you, that you would prompt us to take action in our lives and to realize that what we have is not for our kingdom and for our comfort and for our will. But it is for you. Lord, our time, our energy, our resources, our praise, our worship, our lives, our eyes, Lord, they are for you. Our ambition is for you. Holy Spirit, search our hearts as we worship.